You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Alan Aguirre. Tuesday, July 17th, you're listening to Messianic Lamb Radio, the Tuesday edition, Tuesday morning edition. Got a little bit of, of, of show business to take care of real quick so everybody knows what's going on. This is the Tuesday morning Let Us Reason show. It's now starting at 8.45 a.m. Central instead of 8.30, and it's now called the Chameleon Church Show. It's got a new name, it's got a new time, but it's the same great content and the same great hosts. So nothing's changed from there. A lot of changes going on here at Messianic Lamb Radio. Good stuff, good stuff. Got to sit there and listen to some of that music. There's some there's some good stuff. It reminds me of that early Jesus movement stuff. It's always a lot of fun. So we um, everything's still archived at Isaiah118.com. You'll be able to find the show archives. All the shows are archived there. If you want to go back and make sure we did say what we did say last week or the week before that or the week before that. Um, so that's Isaiah118.com. You'll be able to click on Tuesday or you'll see the whole listing of, of archived shows here at Messianic Lamb Radio. And if you want to grab the Tuesday shows, you can click on Tuesday and take a look at our mug shots and, and, and a little brief bio on the four of us that do this show. Uh, this will also now be archived over at blog.chameleonchurch.com, which is essentially a podcast. And you can also subscribe to our RSS feed there um, on iTunes. What else is going on? Man, lots of st- new cool stuff going on. A um, lot of changes here at Messianic Lamb Radio. I, I'm excited. I'm not afraid of change. I think change is important because as as we grow and as we continue to move forward, uh, we have to sometimes modify uh, what it is we're doing that everyone's used to. So I'm glad you're still um, tuning in Tuesday morning at 845 Central. That's the new time. It's the Chameleon Church Show. And we have the same exact content as we've always had. And we have the same exact amazing uh, godly men uh, sitting around chatting together and reasoning the weekly Torah portion. We've got Daryl up in the great northeast in uh, Canada. We've got Tom, who's out in Oklahoma. Is that correct, Tom? You're in Oklahoma, correct? Yavol here, Alan. <laughs> and we've got Jamie, who's in Kansas, I believe. Are you still? You're in Kansas because you're always talking about the wizard and Dorothy yeah, running yeah. running by with Toto. 
We got the Kansas <laughs> Rebels here. We're, we're going to make it rise again. Well, there we go. How's everybody doing? Everybody have a good week this week? I, I, Absolutely I just, terrific. A very, very, very difficult week. My wife has been gravely ill. By the way, I wasn't able to get to Camp Yeshua and see Zach, as we discussed, that is going to be your culinary protege, Jamie, because my wife's been so gravely ill. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear Wow. Um, she's, your wife is gravely ill, Tom. Well, what happened, she was in Louisiana, and they suspected maybe if near the, the bayou where she was in a swimming pool in a dip one time, it might have been, been an ear infection. She and I both are from an era where it was fashionable to remove your adenoids and your tonsils, but uh, it could be that with a combination of flu. I've got her on a number of natural um, treatments no drugs uh, that are seeming to take hold there's been a lot of prayer given up for her, but she's a real real tough soul and she's trying to brave it through but she's had a lot of sleepless nights as have i so if i'm not up to speed today bear with me and by the way if we do go into this partial of isaiah one uh, a shameless promotion for your book on the holy days because there's something i'd really like to impart to people having to do with a misunderstanding about the new moons and the holy days, and I know it goes, it's germane right to your new book, Alan. Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, thank you. So, so we need to pray for your wife. Father, we just pray for Tom's wife, that the Holy Spirit, that you empower her body and on earth as, is, as it is in heaven. This doesn't exist up there. So, Father, we just speak your life-giving healing into Tom's wife. What's her name, Tom? Her name is Retta, R-E-T-T-A. Retta. Father, we just pray for Retta. We pray for Tom. Ask that you would bring peace, Father, into their home and healing, healing peace, Father God, that just washes over her body. Hallelujah. And I receive that for this ulcer that I'm overcoming as well, Father, that's in the wake of all this stress and trials we've had lately. I know that I am healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And for Tom, Father. We uh, just pray for healing in that household. Yes, Father, and 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 of course, get back with us and let us, let us know how that how that how that how you guys got healed. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, Will. Do oh man, our absolute pleasure. So I'm coming live and direct from you, um, live and direct to you from Park City, Utah, and we've got Kansas represented. We've got Oklahoma. And we've got the Northeast. Daryl, you have a so Daryl, you're archiving on on your SoundCloud channel the these shows as well. Yes, every one of the uh, Let Us Reason and now Chameleon uh, church shows are archived on our Ruach HaAmet SoundCloud channel, and um, you can if you go to the RuachHaAmet.com, you'll find the link uh, to that. Uh, as well as on our Facebook page. And we're, we're trying to do as much of the social media. And I don't pretend to even have the foggiest idea of how all that works. I've got someone who's looking after it for me. There's not enough space in my brain to actually fit that kind of stuff in there. Okay. And you know, I'd like a- to mention real quick again, just to be somewhat interruptive, Daryl, I went to your website and the, the, the walkthrough you do is absolutely stunning. It just warm my heart brother it was beautiful the way you laid things out had that uh, group of um, uh, Jewish uh, brethren or that congregation building in the background 
Wow, I'll say that backwards. Why it was just what <laughs> mention again that website where you do that stroll through, if you would. Oh, okay. So that's that's on our ministry website, uh, ruachatmet.com or alttnmessianic.com. They both point toward the same place. That video was taken in 2012 uh, when I had first joined the Canadian National Baptist Convention, which is our uh, covering organization. And uh, they wanted to profile a little bit of our ministry. And so we were doing a walk in front of what we call the uh, Lubavitch uh, community campus, and the Lubavitch family are major real estate developers uh, up here in the, the Toronto and Southern Ontario region, and uh, the uh, they built a, a community complex up in the north end of Toronto in Vaughan, and it's it's over 500,000 square feet. It's on uh, an entire city block. There's several buildings. There is a community center. There's a school there. What a lot of people don't understand is that in um, in Toronto, the, the Jewish community is probably around 200,000 strong. It's one of the 10 largest communities in the world. And unlike a lot of U.S. communities, I mean, unless you're going to like Borough Park or Williamsburg or, you know, the Fairfax district in uh, Los Angeles, a lot of the Jewish communities in the United States are a lot more assimilated because that's more of the culture down there. The The United States modeled itself more on the melting pot model, whereas in Canada, we have more of a mosaic model. And so we have, Toronto is probably considered the most multicultural city in the world. You've got something like 80 odd languages and over 130 dialects that are spoken there. And um, the Jewish community is very much part of that. And so if you go up this one particular street, Bathurst Street, uh, it's almost like Ben-Gurion Street in Jerusalem there, where there's just synagogue after synagogue after synagogue. And that's really where we did that walkabout is the, the, the hub of the, the, the North Jewish community. There's, oh, sorry about that. Um, and um, so when, when we did a walkabout there, what our desire is, is to model ourselves after what they've done, because the, the Jewish community up there is really all encompassing. You can find pretty much everything that you need there. And what we want to do is our ministry, Light to the Nation's Messianic Ministries, wants to build Messianic community centers around the world. And we'd love to have one. There was a, a track of land. Uh, right around the corner from the Lubavitch campus there that we would have loved to have purchased at some point and built a, a facility where we can have a synagogue and we can have a, um, you know, a library and a resource center, daycare. And we really want it to be like the first century synagogue where everything and anything went on there uh, all throughout the week. We want it to be a hub of activity. And so that's really kind of what we're, uh, what we're aiming for. Yeah, that's what I was so struck about. Such an ambition for the kingdom, brother. Amen. Good stuff. Lots of movement, and and yes, Tom, we'll be we're going to breeze through chapter one, but we will be stop you know stopping a little bit because I really wanted to take a look at what the Gospels in Matthew twenty four said today. But the, Tom was talking about a book that I put out in March. It's called The Feasts Unlocked. It's a, uh, the, a practical understanding of God's holy days. 
It's available from planetbluemedia.com. And it's just a basic breakdown of Leviticus 23 and how it applies to modern Christianity. And uh, so thank you, Tom, for that, because, you know, I, I have, don't really push that here. Um, but, it's a good book, man. Well, well, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Jamie, did you have anything to throw in there before we jump into this? This morning, I was aw- I was awakened by someone that called me from actually Kenya, Africa, and this uh, African didn't speak a lot of English. Sent me something that really touched my touched me, and I think it would touch others. And this is from Africa, from a from a guy that doesn't speak a lot of English, but he can read English, and he sent me this little blurb. There was a blind girl who hated herself because she was blind. She hated everyone except her loving boyfriend. He always was there for her. She told her boyfriend, if I could only see the world, I would marry you. One day, someone donated a pair of eyes to her. When the bandages came off, she was able to see everything, including her boyfriend. He asked her, now that you can see the world, will you marry me? The girl looked at her boyfriend and saw that he was blind. The sight of his closed eyelids shocked her. She hadn't expected that. She thought, he, she thought of looking at them as the rest of her life led her to refuse to marry him. Her boyfriend left her in tears and days later wrote a note to her saying, take good care of your eyes, my dear, for before they were yours, they were mine. This is how the human brain often works when our status changes. Only a very few remember what life was like before and who was always by their side in the most painful situations. Life is a gift. Today, before you say unkind words, think of someone you can't, who can't speak. Before you complain about a taste of food, think of someone who has nothing to eat. Before you complain about your husband or wife, think of someone who's carrying out the all, to Almighty God for companionship, who's crying out. Today, before you complain about life, think of someone who died <clears throat> too young. Before you complain about your children, think of someone who desires children, but they're barren. Before you argue about your dirty house, someone didn't clean or sweep, think of the people who are living in the streets. Before, whi- before whining about the distance you drive, think about who walks the distance with their feet. And when you are tired and complain about your job, think of the unemployed, the disabled, and those at which they had your job. And when you're despairing, have depressing thoughts seem to get you down, put a smile on your face and thank God you're alive and still around. And before you think of closing your eyes, send this message to someone that needs to hear it. It's kind of cool. How awesome. How awesome is that, Jamie? Hallelujah. Yeah, brother in Africa sent that to me. It really gave me a bless. Bless me. Well, I, I, I got to, um, just for a moment, I got to brag on my, uh, my son. Um, as many listeners know that this roundtable has uh, decided to fast and pray on, on Tuesdays. And last week, my son, eight years old, decided that he was going to fast with me. And uh, he was actually, you know, usually we do it for 24 hours. But he was saying that 
no, he's going to fast right through to Wednesday morning. So it was going to be like a 36-hour fast. <clears throat> and he got through all of last Tuesday. He went 24 hours. But then when he was uh, a raggedy Andy doll on the couch at the end of the night, I said, okay, into the kitchen. You're eating supper now. So, But he was, you know, he was a trooper. <laughs> and he made it all the way through. And, and uh, you know, even in Torah, uh, amongst the Jewish community, it's not really expected that that children fast, certainly for Yom Kippur, until at least their bar mitzvah. So uh, I, I, I got to give props to my son Yossi. He is uh, he has got a heart for God, unlike unlike any child that I think I've ever seen. Wow, that is awesome! Because again, Deuteronomy six, we're modeling. We are modeling this to you, well, your son, and your grandson. Right? He says he says the words that every father wants to hear. I want to be like you, Daddy. Oh, man. That's rad. Congratulations, man, because parenting is quite the feat. <laughs> hey, man, wow, what a what a revelation of the love of the Father to carry it on in the next generation, Daryl. Great job. Great. Yeah, yeah. Those are our first fruits, gentlemen, our wives and our children. These are our first fruits. And that 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 letter or email you got from Africa – Kind of, you know, does play into what we're about to read. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll point it out. So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter one. We're going to start in verse two. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. That really spoke to me, just that part. Because, you know, I maybe I have to, to confess here or something, but, you know, I, I speak to a lot of, parents i speak to a lot of of men and women who have had the difficulty of raising their children in the lord and as as, as important as that is and that's ex, and, it's, and it's an extremely important thing to be able to raise up i mean we're told to i mean we there's nowhere way we can't say that's not in there and and i think maybe sometimes i'm a little heavy-handed on that um because i, I it's uh, to me it's so important I think it speaks a lot to who we are as believers and our witness and our testimony, uh, not being able to raise up a child in the Lord. It's like, come on, what have you been doing for the last 18 years, right? Um, it's like it's like saying you're a, you're a Christian for 30 years, but you can't pray. You, you don't know how to pray. You, there's just no mechanics there to pray, even uh, basic fundamental prayer. Here is Adonai saying, children have I reared and brought up but they've rebelled against me. And then when you think about the patriarchs, right? Those 12 kids were brats, man. They weren't good. <laughs> they sold their brother into slavery. You know, they went half of them wanted to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're talking Ruben who interceded. Yeah, we're talking a lot of dysfunctionality here. You know, and then we've got Esau and there's, you know, it's just like there's a lot of dysfunction, which I guess is that does give us hope, right? Because, I mean, how many times have we blown it and how many times, how bad are we at the job? 
here and here's God himself saying, uh, my kids have rebelled against me. Man, just something to ponder. Well, why will you go ahead? I'm sorry. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that, for instance, um, Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witness cult, grew up in a fundamentalist uh, home. He he got hellfire and brimstone every week and rebelled against it. Um, same thing with Karl Marx. Karl Marx uh, actually grew up in a messianic home and joined the Illuminati, became a 33rd degree Satan worshiper and unleash hundreds of millions of death upon the world with the Communist Manifesto. Uh, Aleister Crowley, I believe, had a religious upbringing. Joseph Stalin went to a seminary. So although the the commandment in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7 says, train up a child in a way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's no guarantee. Right. It's a model. It's, you know, there, there's certainly more of a chance if you train him right, but uh, ultimately everybody still has own free will. And you can see that in Ezekiel when, um, you know, God says to, to Ezekiel that if, um, if a child is raised up in a, in, a, in a godly home and turns to evil, it's going to be upon his head. Um, but, uh, and the same thing, if, uh, if he grows up in a wicked home and he turns to righteousness, I mean, everybody's got to be responsible and make their own decisions. Yeah. And, and when I'm speaking to parents that, you know, children have strayed or whatever, it's more, I'm, I'm more trying to focus on them to see into their life because it's, it's about equipping, you know, I'm, I, it's about equipping people into walking in fullness and walking in relationship and alignment. You know, it's not condemnation. It's like, well, that sucks that that happened to your family or whatever. But it's it's to encourage that individual to maybe look a little deeper inside on where they might be out of out of kilter, and and bring that into alignment. But yeah, there's no guarantee. It's it's a tough thing. And so so he God God asks in verse five, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faints from the sole of the foot, even to the head. There is no sound soundness in it. And that I, I highlighted that because, man, there's so much lack of soundness running around out there. But bruises and sores and raw wounds, they are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. Again, what we've been talking about, possessing of the land, possession of the territory that Abraham walked out, and what was required of them in order to possess that. They had to be strong and courageous in the Torah. They had to actually wipe out all the, the paganism that was there, as well as the, the dispossession of the the depossessing of the inhabitants. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. There you go. And the daughter of Zion is left like a breath, like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, and there's that remnant that we that that's popped up in the last couple of weeks. He always leaves a remnant. We should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. 
I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations or the feast days. And then, so I'm going to stop right there because that's, we're in the middle of verse 13, because a lot of people use this as an excuse for why we are not, or why we don't have to be Torah observant. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> he's explain he's explaining something here. He's not saying do away with something. And here's the reason why he's saying this besides everything we just read, putting it in context, Israel is in, re- is in rebellion. He says, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. So you need to repent. You repent from your iniquity so that you can come before him with clean hands. So it's not an excuse for, for not to do these things. And we'll, we'll come back to this because I, I, maybe, Tom, you have something uh, that you want, want to interject in there. Uh, indeed, and uh, whenever you're re- ready, thank you. Yeah, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Right there. There's. Wash. So then, this is what we do. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And that reminded me of the, the note that Jamie read. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, key right there. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Tom? When I, years ago, was in a I don't want to say a contest of words because I don't think it's helpful to get into arguments, doubtful disputations as we see in the scriptures. However, this person and several others have come to me with an antinomian spirit against the Torah, against the law, and said, you see, uh, it's clear in this account that uh, Yahweh hates these holy days, these new moons. They're they're away with them, uh, and they're like iniquity to him. And, of course, the absurdity of that shows that they believe that our creator is schizophrenic. And I've said that and angered people by retorting, no, you're wrong. A double-minded person is unstable in all his ways, and Yahweh is not the author of confusion, as we read in 1 Corinthians 14.33. But you said the operative word there, innocent blood a fundamental flaw in a nation that above all else, because Yahweh is for Lahaim, he's for life. He's the God of the living and not the God of the dead. Uh, Israel is warned about having made a covenant with death. Today we have a Supreme Court justice in the offing, potentially, named Kavanaugh, surname, 
And um, there's all this argumentation against someone who has such an impeccable record overall uh, as a jurist, but the fear is that he might change his mind about what's established uh, law, knowing full well those that have done their homework that still want to promote death, that there's a fundamental flaw with what happened with Ms. Corvey, Colvey, rather, who was the Roe and Roe versus the uh, District Attorney Wade in Dallas, Texas, began this whole nightmare of abortion in this nation. And there's this fear, <laughs> what an irony, that life might be spared, that innocent blood might be saved. And so we have this condition of the astounding mercy of Yahweh with 50, 60 million, whatever you believe the stats, of murders of little babies in their mother's wombs. And there's very little talk, even on the more conservative groups, of simply calling it like it is. You're butchering children in their mother's womb or drilling holes in their head and sucking their brains out when they're first born, partial birth abortions. You are merciless, bloodthirsty people. No, you don't hear that. We've come so far away from crying aloud, sparing not, lift up your voice like a shofar and show my people their sins. We've reached that point, and the innocent blood here has its operative in the fact that there is no more acceptance of what is commands that are eternal. The holy days, three trimesters in the year, three, three seasons in the year, that even is a parallel of the three trimesters. I've studied midwifery and delivered babies, the three trimesters in a woman's womb. There's no uh, coincidence there. And so when you go over to Isaiah 66, to show clearly that that teaching about the new moons and the holy days is no more, is absolutely false and a twisting of the context there in Isaiah, the first chapter. And I just will read you what Yahweh spoke through here in Isaiah, the prophet, in verse 18. I know the works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my Kavod, my, the weight of my power, my glory. I will set a sign among them, and those among them who escape I will send to the nations of Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, and draw the bow and Tubal and Javon to the coastlands far off, who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Goyim, among the Gentiles, the nations, the heathen. Then they shall bring all the brethren for an offering excuse me, all your brethren for an offering. See, we're the offering now as a living sacrifice. We've been in the book of Romans to be able to determine what is that good and that perfect and acceptable will of Yahweh, which is our reasonable service for an offering to Yahweh out of all nations. Apparently, they're not going to have uh, uh, taxis or uh, the various transportation at that point, horses, chariots, litters, mules, camels, to my holy mountain. Yerushalayim, says Yahweh, as the children of Israel, an offering in a clean vessel into the house of Yahweh. And I will also take some of them, here we go again, for priests and Levites, says Yahweh. Notice verse 20, uh, 22 of Isaiah 66. For as the new heavens and new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me. This goes on out into eternity says Yahweh, so shall your descendants and your name remain, and it shall come to pass that from new moon to another, and from Shabbat, that's weekly and holy convocation, Moedim, 
that you're writing about in your new book, from one Sabbath to another, all shall come, all flesh to worship before me, says Yahweh. And then they're going to look on another uh, garbage dump burning with worms that don't die. They turn to flies. That's what's spoken of there in that account in the Brit Kaddish on the New Testament is a rather uh, strong admonition or warning. But here we go on out into a new heaven, a new earth, a new eternity for us. I say a new eternity, a new life, eternal. And there's new moons and there's Shabbats and observance to come before the Almighty. And he doesn't leave anything untouched there. It's a hyper comprehensive declaration of the holy days, the weekly Sabbaths, the new moons. that just goes on rolling out uh, forever. It does, you know, and then, of course, we see we see also in Isaiah how if you eat of the perverted things, be it swine or mice or rat, you will not be allowed up to Mount Zion to worship Messiah. Um, I should have brought that up because it also covers <laughs> kosher food, like yeah. in Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14, is also factored in with a new heaven and the earth. I'm glad you brought mm -hmm. that up, Alan. Yeah, it's 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 important stuff. It's not like these things are we. It's the delete, and I and I and of course I bring this up in the book. So the the book is a breakdown of Leviticus 23, and it also has the apologetics and the historicity. How did we get to this point? Why is this not in our faith? If it's so clearly in the Bible, because you can't say the whole Bible is applicable to us and then only believe 35% of it, because that's the narrative. It's a false narrative. And it breaks it down in the apologetics and the historicity, why we don't do it, how we got to this point. And it's important because they're not, because we've been, it's been delineated to Jewish holidays, Jewish traditions. These aren't Jewish holidays, these are God's holidays god's holy days and they're you're not probably Jewish. you probably I, I just realized something you probably since you've gone on all this research point out that in the beginning of leviticus 23 yahweh says they're my feast and notice Absolutely. it's your feast that's cited there they no longer are his but they're your feast your new moons in isaiah one so there seems to be a very sharp contrast or delineation between him claiming what are his properly observing uh, observances and what are your feasts, your new moons? Right. Yeah. There is there is a marker there, but these are God's feasts. They're not Jewish holidays. They're God's holy days, and they're not Jewish traditions. These are God's established that, covenants. He says that four times. These are yeah. my appointed times. Right, and they're His, and they're not even traditions. These are His covenants because He says to Moses flat out, "I am." So that the second time Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get the tablets redone after he breaks them, God says, I'm making a covenant with you. And then lays out the feast and the Sabbath, uh, the high Sabbath. And then, the, you know, these are covenants God established for his people to walk in. Now, if you don't consider yourself God's people, then no, no big deal. But if you say you're God's people, there's a bunch of stuff that we need to be doing. And when it comes to alignment and blessing and obedience and see, God wants to meet with you at certain times and in certain ways. And if you've been listening to anything we've been talking about for the last three weeks, you should that you, what your mind should be reminding you of right now is that, oh, well, 
uh, I've heard on on the Tuesday morning show on Messianic Lamb Radio the last couple of weeks, uh, two or three weeks, that Israel failed to meet God in a prescribed manner, and they were wiped out. <laughs> Plagues and death and Aaron standing before the between the living and the dead. And well, yeah, that's all real. And Paul clearly states in 2 Corinthians 10 that this stuff we're talking about, this 40-year time of Israel in the desert, was written down as a warning for, and I'll use your terminology, the New Testament church, as a warning, how not to be and what not to do. So this stuff is very important and so I wrote about it. It's called The Feast Unlocked. I'll do a shameless plug. You can get it at planetbluemedia.com. And it breaks all this down. And it talks about the whys and the hows and, and, it, and, 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 the, and how, to, how to observe it and, and, and why to observe it and, and the blessing that it is. It's not legalistic. When, when God tells you to take your money and buy food and alcohol and go party with your family, how legalistic does that sound? You and know, by the way, just think about it. In the kingdom, the people that don't at least hand their representatives up to the city of the great king, the pupil, the apple of his very eye, Yerushalayim, to observe Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, they're not going to get any rain like we're suffering horribly right now here in Oklahoma. Yeah. And, and if you're not sure what Tom just mentioned, it, not only does it say in those days, future tense during the Messianic reign, the millennium, that the Gentiles will grab a Jew by his tassels and ask and, and ask him to lead them to to Israel to Jerusalem so that they can learn the ways of Torah and 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 the Gentile nations are going to be required to present themselves before the Lord on Sukkot and the the Gentile nations that do not do that or the goat nations that don't do that during the millennium reign will 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 have um like tom said drought they it'll go bad for them they'll be cursed it's not a good thing so if we're if and jesus even says at the, on the last supper i wish i really wanted to spend passover with you but i, I won't be able to because i'm going to be hanging on a cross tomorrow but i'm not going to do this with you guys until we, till the kingdom until till I, until we we meet later on in the future so even jesus says there's a future passover in your future so it would behoove us to know what it is that the Bible is talking about regarding these things, to know what Jesus and Paul and Peter and the writers of the New Testament are talking about when it comes to these things. So that when it comes down and Jesus, you know, when Jesus returns and this stuff starts, you know, is reestablished and reinstituted with him as high priest, you'll know what the heck is going on. See, 10 virgins knew exactly when and where to meet him but five of them were not equipped to go with him there's a big difference there and we are are there, are there rules of are there rules of disengagement you talk a lot as well you should brother about rules of engagement are there consequences that i would call rules of disengagement that kick in when we're out of harmony with our creator's purposes his will there there are there are um, I mean, if, if no, nobody will deny that being a Christian is about covenant or walking with God in God's covenant. They just haven't been taught what those covenants are for the most part, or they've been taught. Somebody just sent me a picture uh, of a, of a screenshot of a book and it's highlighted. The feasts are not commanded for believers, but are given by God as gifts for his children. 
Uh, amen. So it's it, there, there. Yes, there are consequences for not keeping his commandments. That's why the New Testament says sin is not keeping his commandments. Sin is breaking his commandments. These are his commandments, and we're required to to do these things. Now, of course, he wants us to go before him. See, there's another section where he says, you know, I'm tired of your bulls and your goats. I want an offering of of thanksgiving. And and I even mentioned in the book where the, the where where I forgot the actual passage, but it talks about in the book where it says it wasn't about the uh, the sacrifices. That was never his intention. That was never his. That was never what it was about. It was always about our heart, and that's why Jesus says what he says in Matthew five about. Um, you know, if you think about having uh, sexual relations with a woman that's not your wife, you've committed adultery. He he raised the bar, but he he the the Torah of Jesus is actually harder than the Torah of Moses because Moses Mo, the Torah of Moses is all about doing for the most part, right? What Jesus did is he brought it back to the rightful place that God always intended it to be. He didn't change it. He just reminded everybody, look, this is about your heart. It's about the invisible intentions of the heart. And that's why he, he says, you know, I'm tired of your bulls and your goats. I just want to, th- I want to sacrifice the Thanksgiving because it's no good. He even Paul, what does your circumcision do if you don't keep the Torah or if you don't keep the commandments? How does that trump the, the Gentile who's not physically circumcised that is keeping commandments? See? And here he is in Isaiah saying, all these assemblies that you're doing and all your convocations, they're, they're no good because your hands are full of blood, because you're, you're perverted, because you're in sin, because you're, you're just not my people. You're not doing this the way you're supposed to be doing it. So wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil. And then he tells you the exact opposite of it. <clears throat> Just like the same in cadence, Paul writes all his letters, right? He says, if you do this, you're going to die. And those are all breaking covenant of Torah. But if you do this, you'll live. And those are all keeping the covenant of Torah. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. And and so the, the word convocation. So we're talking about... Remember, I just said that if there's a Passover in our future, and in our future, the Gentile nations are going to be uh, required to go to Jerusalem and, and keep the Feast of, of Sukkot, of Tabernacles, it's really important for us to know what this stuff is about today, now, while you're alive, so you can do it and exercise and practice them now, so that you're doing, you, you know what's going on when tomorrow comes. Well, that, the Hebrew word for that is, is re- it's like a, a holy rehearsal. And what are we rehearsing for? Tomorrow, we're rehearsing for tomorrow. So, there's something that really hit me is because this is such a special year. We're talking about the feast. Uh, Deuteronomy is the beginning of the eleven, actually eleven weeks before we we celebrate the feast of feast of tabernacles. So we got this all lined up, and this year is a special year because we are 70 years uh, in existence from, from 1948. So now we got all these things happening right now. And uh, if you start looking at what's happening in the world compared to what God's doing, this stuff that's happening with Donald Trump 
and the way that they're comparing him with Cyrus in the gold coin and the half shekel that's for the temple, that they've actually made a gold half shekel in Israel that has both Cyrus's pictures on it. Yeah. This is establishing that is because we're gonna, we need a half shekel for the new temple, and we're going to have that. And it's, it's just amazing what's going on. The... Um, cylinder that they found several years ago and it, uh, I think it was a British museum found it but just what's on that and how it proclaims the declaration of independence is on there I mean this is amazing Thomas Jefferson used it to found all these things that this country stands for which are basically been lost and you can see it through our media and news it's just crazy stuff that's going on it's right now we have a war going on in the world not just in the united states but a war of darkness and light and it was amazing to watch what happened on the news yesterday uh, to see trump and putin these two world leaders that 90 percent of all the nuclear devices in the whole world these two men are talking in civil in a civil way and agreeing to work out their differences and the media blasts them and says he's a treasonous man. I tell you what, it gets me riled up because this is the first time in my lifetime that I've seen something that looks like a possibility of working out some things with Russia, which is the other part of the nuclear, you know, uh, the people that have the weapons. And it's amazing. It's amazing to me. And here this guy Putin wants to get rid of the globalists. He wants to get rid of George Soros. He mentions him. He wants to do things right according to the treaties. What in the world that Russia is telling us stuff that we should be doing? It's crazy. And we're, we're knocking them like they're the evil empire. Who's the evil empire? This is all about God and his kingdom, the light and the darkness. And I got pretty excited about this passage you just went over because it says that your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned like with fire, and it's happening right here in the United States. In your, in your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate. It is overthrown by foreigners. We got all these people trying to come in on our borders just to overcome our walls. It's happening right now. And the daughters of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard. Well, I'm Zion, and I'm left with a booth in a vineyard right here in Kansas. Like a lodge of cucumber field. I got about 45 pounds of cucumbers in my sink. <laughs> like a besieged. <laughs> Are you going to help Zach when you mentor this young man that just came from Camp Yeshua to be a chef? Is he going to be able to do some cucumbers for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to have to do I something. I love cucumbers. I just canned uh, pickles. I just pickled about 12 pounds of them yesterday. I tell you, it's just coming. But it's raining, Tom. It's raining in Kansas on the vineyard. Plenty of rain coming down. I'm Hallelujah. Really... Good yeah. to hear. Because well, our wheat crop here is the worst it's been since 1913. You read in well, where he... Yahweh in the fourth chapter of Amos and his punishing judgments, because he loves us so much that he punishes us. It will rain on <laughs> one city and not on another. Hello, world. <laughs> but it's yeah. raining right here in Wichita, or right in Colwich, Kansas. But I want to say one more. I want to get back to that 70, number 70, because 70 is it's my 70th year of life, 70th of uh, Israel. And in the in the scriptures, we're talking about Moedim. We're talking about the word Moedim. It's the 70th word in uh, in uh, Genesis 114. 
for the seasons is Moadim. It's the 70th word in the scriptures. This stuff is so important. The reason it's raining here in Kansas, I totally believe, is because we're doing the Shema. Because we're, you know, we're praying the Shema in the morning and the night. God honors those things, and he makes them come to pass. I tell you, we honor the feast. We do the things that God says to do to get ready to go into the land. That's what Deuteronomy is all about. Get ready. Get ready to go into the land. Get ready. I don't want to be left behind like Moses. I want to be ready. And here, here we've got the word. We've got the time. We've got the stuff happening. we got the radio to get it out. we got all these things happening, man. We just got to pump it up and get going. It's our time. I'm with you, man. I am so with you. And it's Israel had to endure something before they could go into the land and begin the process of possessing the demonic strain of humanity that was on the earth. And I really, 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 really believe, and again, the reason for the book I wrote, that the Lord 12 years ago or so this is the revival that everyone's been praying for, a return to his covenant word, Torah. Jesus is the embodiment of this people. So you can't say Jesus did away with himself. A house divided and a house, you know, it just doesn't work. And, 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 I, and, I, and I know in my heart and in my being that the reason this new resurgence the last 12 years to the covenant Torah word. And again, you know, Paul and Jesus said, I mean, Psalms, they called that Torah. They called the various minor prophets Torah. And it's because this is what the tool we need in order to survive what's coming. Because we're going to enter into the territory and find out that the Nephilim are in the land and that the giants are in our land. But we're not supposed to heed that bad report, and they will be our bread. It's really, really important. Yes, Cyrus, again, our friend Lance Wall now, a year plus before it happened. I mean, that book that he wrote on uh, yeah. before President Trump, was. I mean, it's in there. Really done well. He has a whole chapter devoted to Cyrus and, and to the cylinder. I mean, it's just so many great stuff that is happening right now and proving scripture. It's not only proving scripture, we're seeing it played out. It's like grab your box of popcorn and sit back. It is happening, folks. And if we don't get with the program, and that means with the word, you're going to be left behind. I mean, it's now is now is our time to let the word shine. And if we don't, we're going to be left behind. We got to move on the word now, or forget, or forget it, man. <laughs> I, I agree, and we're not talking about the popular Christian culture version of "left behind" either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because you're, you're welcome. <laughs> we, we, we are still we're still being affected sadly by that heavy duty emphasis for years on a pre-tribulation rapture, when Yeshua praying there in the garden when he had the olive squeeze, in effect, Gethsemane, you might want to correct me on that, Daryl, yeah. but oh, the man, squeeze there, and he says, Father, I pray that you take them, don't take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil, or literally the evil one. So he was just praying that very thing that clearly shows from that high priestly prayer for all of us. He prayed that the Father would not take him out of this world. And I've had people come to me and say, you don't really believe in, in the 
post-tribulation catching up of the saints. And I said, of course I do. The angels will go to the four corners of the earth and gather us up, and we're going to be sky-escorted over to the Mount of Olives if you follow the scriptures and not human tradition of men. And by the way, it is through much tribulation, Metzarim, that we shall enter the kingdom of Elohim. And all who live godly shall, and we have people all over the world suffering horribly, and they haven't been raptured for the sake of uh, their, their belief and their understanding of who Jesus is, with the abominations done to them, not just by Muslims, Hindus, others. And then if we suffer with him, it says we'll reign with him. All who live godly are going to suffer one way or the other, persecution. It is through much tribulation we shall enter the kingdom of Elohim. So that's the paradigm that we're dealing with, not this sky escalator where we're looking down in the third heaven because we're first-class citizens of the kingdom and all these other poor <laughs> wretches, they've got to go through hell because they're not worthy to be given a special pass. I'm so glad, excuse me, but I, I wax hot on that because that's such an abominable doctrine. No, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. The escape clause, yeah. Yeah, that's not part of the deal. <laughs> so yeah, I'm with you on that. Here's the thing, and again, verse 19 and 20, if you are willing and obedient, if you are willing to let go of all the nonsense you've been told and all the ridiculous false narratives and just the, the fake news in your life, man, that's been... And I, but I understand, I absolutely, completely understand that this is what you've been told. This is what you've been taught. And you've trusted people. You've trusted the leaders in, 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 in your life to, to guide you correctly. And, you know, and of course, they can't teach you what they don't know themselves. I understand that. So, there's, I mean, we're not, no, no, no condemnation, brother or sister, that might be listening. We understand that this is how you were taught. This is what you were told. But... It's also on you, though, and this is an this is an encouragement for you. It's, it is also on you to seek your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling, and to and to show yourself approved by actually breaking open that word yourself and seeing is the, is what I'm being told jiving with the actual biblical narrative, and that's when you'll find out it's not. It's Christianity versus the Bible, and then. And then it's on you to make sure that after everything you can possibly do, that you stand on the reality and the truth of this. And it's okay if you don't agree. It's okay if you don't believe us because it's not us that you're not agreeing with or believing. But if you are willing and obedient to his covenants, his instruction, his precepts, his commandments, his Torah, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, if you refuse to read or hear what the actual word of God says and rebel against that, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And again, this isn't this isn't us. This is the word. It's in your Bible. And we, we just covered a big spectrum of the Old and New Testament regarding this so well i think about what you're saying and i hope folks out there listening may be feeling a little singed by those admonitions might consider that paul had to speak to those at galatia that were brethren and say have i become your enemy because i tell you the truth 
While I was writing this book, sorry again, but the book, The Feast Unlocked, it's a practical under, uh, the practical understanding of God's holy days. Uh, it breaks down Leviticus 23 and how it applies to your modern day Christian walk. You can get it from planetbluemedia.com. While I was writing that book, we, there was two two prophetic words came out that we were entering, or that we were in the days of Nehemiah and that we were entering the days of Ezra. And do you know what that means? Okay, this is when they were they went back to they went back to Israel. They went back to Jerusalem, and by Nehemiah's leadership, they're rebuilding the walls. And Ezra was the priest. And if you go to Nehemiah eight, oh my goodness, Nehemiah eight is so important because if that because if we are truly in that if that's what's really going on in the spirit realm, then this is exactly this. You know, this book is like a. Perfect timing, obviously, and of course, it was the Lord that said, "Right, do this and do this now." Um, Israel is presented the Torah. He's they're, they're, the the Torah is is read to them, and as one man, they're crying and they repent, and they it's just a beautiful Nehemiah chapter eight is just mind blowing, and they repent, and then they remind the children of Israel, the assembly, you know, don't cry. It's a feast day. It's the first day of the seventh month. It was a feast of tabern uh, trumpets. And then um, go home and celebrate and, you know, all that. And they do, and then they reassemble. And they're like, look, in two weeks, we're supposed to be doing this big old party where we're all living in tents, you know, booths, Sukkot. And, it, and so they, they, everyone's like so excited to do this. Everyone is so excited to not only hear the word of God, but to do it. And it says that Israel hadn't, celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles to that level of excitement and, and, and blah, blah, blah for like 700 years. Man. So again, before we jump into Matthew 24, if you are willing and obedient, if you are willing and obedient, but if you refuse and rebel, don't be that guy. Be willing and obedient. So I, I, here's the title for today's show, The Dilemma and the End Result. We just read the dilemma. This is the dilemma. You're trying to you're trying to serve me, but your hearts are far removed from me. And I don't like it. And it's making me sick. So knock it off. Matthew 24, verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Oops. And put you to death. Oops. And you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. No escape clause there. And then many will fall away. We're, we're watch, I'm watching that before my very eyes. We just had over the past weekend uh, a, hu uh, a huge quote Christian music art social justice warrior festival with like huge names, names you would recognize. And they're all the Christian left. And they're, it's sponsored by the Christian left. With organizations that are funded by Soros, yeah, it's 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 pretty disgusting. Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. We're watching that happen right now. And who who was the first to talk about a Christian civil war from within you know within Christianity a few years ago? Yeah. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. 
again, that that's a convoluted line in in, in most of our Christian circles. Um, they, they they don't actually understand what that means. If 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 we get some time, maybe we'll break that down a little bit. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow old. The Greek word lawless lawlessness is animos, and it means Torahless or Torahlessness. You Say, can, Alan, but, if you had never noticed that the word love there is not stergio, it's not family love, it's not eros, that's not an affection or a sexual love, it's not a phileo or brotherly love, it's kesed in the Hebrew, loving kindness or agape. It's the love of God because of the iniquity abounding. Even that kind of love that's in believers can wax cold. That should be super sobering to all of us. Yes, it should. It absolutely should, especially when it's followed by the fact that these people are Torahless. And so because of that Torahlessness, they're unable to properly or adequately love God. As we just read in Isaiah, again, we are exactly like Israel. And so, again, animos is the Greek word for lawless or lawlessness, and it does mean Torahless. It does mean Torahlessness, like uh, void or lacking the law of Moses like a pagan. That's part of the definition. And Jesus says, I don't know you because you're Torahless. That's what makes you a goat. But if you are willing and obedient, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom I believe, and, and again, Lance, I think, talked about this over 10 years ago. The, the the gospel of salvation is what we preach and teach people. You'll never find that in the Word. And it basically states all you need to do is get saved. You have no responsibility in the relationship. There's nothing you can do to earn this salvation. See how they just made that whole thing convoluted? All you have to do is get saved, and you're good to go. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to learn how to pray. You don't have to learn you know, you don't have to pursue the spiritual gifts. You don't. Ha- you don't even have to fast. I mean, it, it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. Well, the gospel of the kingdom that Matthew's talking about here, and he talks about all over this the, the, the book of Matthew. The gospel of the kingdom it includes salvation, but it doesn't stop there. The gospel of the kingdom actually equips you and teaches you how to actually live out this new salvation thing that you got involved with. And it doesn't mean you can sit around in the corner inactive and not do anything and you're good to go. No, it's the exact opposite. It means... You are proactively pursuing the spiritual gifts. You are proactively learning the word, eating it, applying it. It's called transformation. Remember what we talked about last week? Dallas, Fort Worth was considered the number one Christian city uh, a decade ago uh, because of the amount, the sheer amount of Christians that were in that uh, town and going to church. But it was the least transformed city. Yeah. Yeah. That's because it's all about the gospel of salvation to them. 
and very little are actually doing the gospel of the kingdom, which requires transformation, which requires the, the I've got a new mind, right? I mean, listen to all those New Testament verses in your head. You know, you're, you're a new creation. Everything's brand new. Whoever you were, whatever you were is no longer in existence, you know, and, and we're the transforming of our mind and the renewing of our mind. And there's this process, there's this transformative process that turns you into what? Because when you got, when you, when you signed up for that gospel of salvation, it says that you were going to, the idea was to be like Jesus. Well, you can't be like Jesus if there isn't any transformation, if the gospel of the kingdom isn't at work in your life, because that means you're going to imitate Jesus. That means you're going to be like Jesus, walk like Jesus. And your older brother in the, has already gone before you to show you how to do this. And that requires all the things we talk about on this show. I, I'm struck by what you're saying so powerfully because I look here at 1 John 5 and it says, whoever believes that Yeshua is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ, is begotten of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. We read elsewhere in 1 John, we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And here it says in verse 2 of 1 John 5, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments and are not burdensome. They're not heavy. Hallelujah. Amen. And it says that in the Torah. I just got an email, or actually WhatsApp, from the guy in Africa. Well, actually, this one's in Uganda, and he is—he is a child of God. And his what he's been doing with his village and the people that are in it, he's been really got a hard time going. I mean, they're—they're they're, they're short of food. They're having a drought. He's got sick people in the family. So I, I told him uh, that we would pray for his family. He just received money. That it took me two weeks to get it to him because they're they're tightening up on the uh, on money being transferred and it's just getting to be ridiculous. You have to jump through so many hoops to get him get him a little bit of money that will feed his family and all the people, a lot of the people in the village. It just took me almost three weeks to get this little bit of money. It's crazy. And um, so anyway, I want to pray for him real quick before we go out there, and it'll be a quick prayer. But I just would like. Your prayers with me on this man. His name is Julius Ekumuno. And uh, Father, we thank you for Julius, his family, for the orphans, for the wives, for the widows in his village that are hearing the truth about your Hebrew roots, that are hearing and reading the word like they've never read it before. Father, give them a sign, give them miracles, give them rain, give them food, Father. We thank you for this. We thank you that his message and his he got delivered that money right during our show. I thank you for that. It's a sign to me that you're working with us. As our words go out, like in Devarim, the word is the word. And as we speak forth these words, like we are doing over the air, it changes things. So we thank you, Father God, for this. We thank you for the results they're getting in Africa and that it, we will see just tremendous thing happen in that area in Kilgroy. Amen. Amen. In Yeshua's name, of the whom the world is not worthy, Father, bless them. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's, and, and, and that, what you just heard and what we just did, that's the gospel of the kingdom. It's what we just read in verse 17 of Isaiah 1. So, yeah, that's awesome. 
So this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's what I wanted to, I wanted to tie that in, Matthew 24, with what we just read in Isaiah 1. Gerald, do you, do you want to share anything about any of this? I, I've been having some conversations lately. I've, I've got a, actually a Baptist pastor friend of mine who uh, I was at his uh, vocation Bible school yesterday. And um, um, we've been talking about the commandments, and I, I'm really messing up this poor guy's theology. I, I'm taking all that Baptist stuff, and I'm scrambling his brains. But what I keep coming back to is that if Paul says in Romans 7.12 that the law is good and holy, how is it that we can say that it's not incumbent upon us to do it? God doesn't contradict himself. And I say, you know, we, also, we had um, an election last month that we prayed for and conservative government got in. And right off the bat, uh, within the first month, the premier um, revoked the radical sex ed curriculum that our previous lesbian premier had jammed down our throats and has been causing all kinds of just mass confusion. So he gets in there and one of the planks that he was running on was the fact that, you know what, we're going to give the responsibility of teaching back to the parents. Well, you wouldn't believe how many brain dead Christians are actually now upset about the fact that I, you know, Christians, they're, they're c they're Christians in name only. But how many of them are actually advocating that, well, we have to give transgenders an opportunity to express themselves and we need to make sure that they're protected. And, you know, the, the, the propaganda is just unbelievable. And my wife is absolutely going stark raving mad. Like she is going squirrely with some of the unbelievable comments and conversations that she's having on social media with people about this. It brings me back to uh, to Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 22. And God says through Jeremiah, my people are foolish, they know me not. They're stupid children and have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil, but to do good, they do not know. And it mirrors what Isaiah is saying in that, um, you know, in chapter 1 and then chapter 29, verse 13, that that uh, Yeshua references in Mark chapter 7, where he says, these people, they praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And if we're going to advocate for things that are so blatantly and obviously ungodly and unbiblical, how on earth are we going to resist when the Antichrist comes? Dr. Michael Lake who I keep mentioning about how I'm just drinking at uh, the well of, uh, of his teaching lately. He says that this generation is going to be exposed to things that we never have before. And that's because we're going to meet the Antichrist head on. And, you know, based on what we've been seeing out there and, and just the, the complete um, insanity of... Not only the, I mean, look how many people are now jumping up and down and saying Katie Price, or, or sorry, um, not Katie Price, but uh, uh, Katie Perry has now come back to her Christian faith because she met the Pope and she says he's a radical for Jesus. Like, how do people get suckered in so easily? I, d I don't understand this. 
And yeah. the reason is, is because there's no foundation. There, there's no substance. And so when the, the, the evil one comes and his false prophet with all signs and wonders, Yeshua talks about in Matthew 24 that many will fall away. And I've, I've been really on this over the last little while. Many will fall away because there's no foundation, no substance. And so when the fallen angels who have been released uh, from, you know, their captivity that, that Enoch talks about for, for 70 generations, when, when they come back and they're disguised as aliens, Christians are going to look at their Bible and say, well, my Bible don't talk about this. This must not be true. Chuck it away. And they're going to go running after the beast. Because how is it that most people who profess Messiah are going to fall away? It's because there's no foundation. Right. You know, one, one of the most pernicious things, and this is a discussion I've been having with a number of people, including this Baptist pastor, is that, well, okay, so, you know, the, the commandments are fine, but it, it's not expected that Gentiles do. And, I, you know, there, there's half a dozen verses in Torah that says the same law for the alien and the native. And so... If you, uh, you are part of the Commonwealth of Israel, according to Ephesians chapter 2, then you are one of those who left Egypt to attach themselves to Israel and worship Israel's God. Ruth is the model. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And so you've got Leviticus 24, 22. You've got uh, Numbers 9, 14. You've got Numbers 15, 15, which says that it's the same law for everybody. God has the same requirements no matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. His expectation of your ability to keep those things may differ depending on what your past history is. But the bottom line is, is that Messiah is the end of the law to all those who believe. Romans 10, 4. We are all being conformed to his image, and therefore we are being conformed to Torah. It's just that the Jews had 1,500-year head start in understanding and keeping Torah. But even Peter says, and, and James says in Acts chapter 15, you are imposing burdens upon them, requiring them to be circumcised and keep Torah in order to be saved, that we and our fathers couldn't keep. So why are we placing all these undue burdens? But for now, for us to say, well, you know, and, and within Judaism, you've got the seven laws of Noah called the seven Noahite laws. And that, well, you know, we have to keep the 613 mitzvot of Torah, but Gentiles, they got to keep seven, which is basically the Ten Commandments uh, expanded a little bit. Well, if God has two, uh, has two children, Jew and Gentile, why would he have different rules of engagement and expectations? We as parents don't have different rules for our children. The older ones are, have more responsibility and are expected to know better and obey better, but the little ones are coming up behind and need to follow the same example. Without the foundation of Torah, there's going to be nothing that when, you know, Yeshua talks about this in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do as I tell you to do? Because when the flood comes, when the spirit of the Antichrist comes, unless you are built on the solid foundation, which is Yeshua and his Torah, you are going to get swept away. And then not only are they going to fall away from the faith, but they're going to turn on us and they're going to hand us over to the Antichrist and have our heads lopped off. Absolutely, and it's and our we're going to get a better resurrection because of it, right? And and in our position is that the foundation is the Word of God, the Torah, and that's what keeps us from being lawless. That's what keeps us from our our love growing cold, our love towards the Father to grow cold, and it keeps us from falling falling away, and it and it gives us the ability to discern the false prophets, Antichrist, the false prophet, that foundation 
our root system, our deep-rooted system, based on the foundation of the Word of God, the Torah. That's our position. And I, I, again, I, I, we, I break this all down in the book, and it's and we talk about it on this show every Tuesday morning in some way, shape, or another, because it's important. It's vital information. We can't expect to survive the onslaught of tomorrow without our foundation being deeply rooted in the Word of God, in the Torah of God. That's the Word. That's not our something that we're making up or mixing into it. You know, Jesus said, this message is not my own, it's my Father's. I only, see, I only do what I see Him do. I only say what I hear Him say. And this is what His Father was saying. And the word in the Hebrew is Torah. Or you can... We can call it the scriptures, if that makes it more palatable for you. But it's the same thing. Again, if you are willing and obedient versus refusing and rebel, we're just praying that you would that your hearts would be open to the the full counsel of the Word of God, the full, the full, the the whole enchilada, not this one verse here, one verse there, you know. Again, yeah, like like Tom's saying, it's it's a love for the truth of God and His Word, and because there is a lack of the truth and a love for the truth of God and His Word, He's sending a strong illusion, unlike anything we've ever seen before. Yeah, and 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 that delusion that God's sending man will cause them to to believe the lie, Second Thessalonians too. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, people. Taste the Lord and know that He is good. And with that, we will see you next week. 